0: Welcome back to another episode of Heavy Lifting with Robbie Lula. This is, at least for the foreseeable future, the final Star Wars Wednesday uh, episode. And we are going to be covering the Mandalorian. And I also wanted to touch real briefly on there was a leak this week earlier. I don't know if it's a leak, but there was a report that they that Disney's decided on a topic for the next movie. Now, that's probably still three-plus years away uh, as they kind of flesh out how they want to develop these and the storyboards and all of that. And we're sure to have multiple series, including the Obi-Wan series and the second season of The Mandalorian, but also... Possibly, uh, I believe there's a Cassian Endor uh, series in um, in the works as well from Rogue One. So there's multiple there's multiple things in the works here, but we probably won't get another movie for at least three plus years. Um, that being said, they they talked about um, they talked about what was possibly the the next Topic of the next Star Wars movie, and this again hasn't been confirmed by Disney, but the report is that it will focus on the age of the High Republic, which is basically, from my understanding, the same time as the Old Republic. So if you played the Knights of the Old Republic game, um, that's about the same time period we're talking about, which is 400-ish years prior to the events of... Uh, the Phantom Menace that kick off the Star Wars saga. So um, that came out. Um, there's talk of Darth Bane being uh, a either central character or a character or at least a um, more a more prominent figure. Even if he's not in it directly, he's the Sith that came up with the um, rule of two. Uh, so. That's kind of where they're talking. And they're talking about a um, young in his physical prime Yoda as well. Um, So you wonder, obviously, with baby Yoda and the Mandalorian, if there's going to be any tie-ins there and that type of thing. But I wanted to just address that real quickly um, before before we... I got into the Mandalorian. Uh, I've got with me Raj, who has been doing all the Star Wars podcasts with me. Raj, how are you?
1: Good. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, any any thoughts on this report that that would be the topic of the next Star Wars film?
1: Yeah, I I'm. I think jury's still kind of out for me. I. I worry that we could be getting more into the land of fantasy and uh, you know more prequely kind of stuff. However, I feel like the track record so far with the Mandalorian, with Episode Nine that we liked, uh, you know, minus Episode Eight uh, out of this recent track record, they've done pretty well in just making good movies. Um, and so I, I'm hopeful for it. I I like the idea that maybe we get to see a piece of this universe that isn't. Um, You know, part of the Skywalker saga. And and hopefully, I mean, I just looked up Darth Bane because I hadn't heard that particular rumor, and he looks scary. Uh, I I hope that they do it well and not, um, you know, he he also kind of a little bit looks like one of the characters from one of the new X Men movies that haven't been nearly as compelling. So I hope that they just do well by the franchise, I guess, is is all I really uh, hope for this so far.
0: Um, so a fun little side note is the his appearance has been in the um, and I haven't seen this so I don't know in what form if he's like a flashback or whatever in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's voiced by Mark Hamill.
1: Oh, that's right. I see that. here Which is wow. fun. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, so I think it's a, I think it could be a really fun. Because I think part of what people were hoping for out of the prequels were to was to see the Jedi in their heyday, but really we got to see them at their most inept, which makes sense in light of what was happening. Um, so I think seeing Jedi at their most effective and powerful could be really fun. Yeah, um, and to see a. This sounds weird, but we've never seen a functioning government in any kind in Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so that might be interesting, at least. It's something that I at least kind of... It at least raised my interest a little bit in terms of like, oh, that might be interesting to see what life was like yeah. under a functioning you know societal system. That's,
1: that's kind of funny because I actually thought, you know just hearing their name Bane, I went to Batman in my head. And if, if Bane... Darth Bane were actually the outlaw uh, it, under a functioning government. It would be a little bit more like a Batman-type universe where the good guys are in power and the bad guys are trying to overthrow. And that's different. That's We haven't seen that kind of thing in the Star Wars universe yet. It's always been the bad guys in control. Uh, or at least 50-50 with the First Order and the, and the uh, Resistance.
0: Yeah, I mean, real briefly before... Palpatine becomes Chancellor in, I think, Attack of the Clones, you get like a movie-ish, A Phantom Menace, where technically the Republic is in control.
1: I've expunged all of that from my memory, so (laughs) I I can't be held responsible for that. All
0: right, so let's get into The Mandalorian. Um,
1: Well, actually, so real quick, the rumor I thought you were going to get into was uh, in Episode 9, a lot of has been swirling this week and I, I don't know if it's just chatter or what that J.J. Uh, J. Abrams original cut was three hours and uh, and the fandom is crying out for uh, a release of the director's cut now that in other franchises has not been successful so far there were people who wanted a, a director's cut of the Justice League movie uh, the, they wanted the Zack Snyder director's cut and it's just never going to happen But also
0: Zack Snyder's bad yeah, I mean, well, and that... He doesn't make good movies.
1: I mean, that movie, it just... It, it was kind of like the... Like Solo, it was redone. And so there is... As far as I know, there is no director's cut of Justice League. But I would be here for a three-hour version of this movie. I I absolutely would watch a three-hour version of... Oh, of for episode sure. Because I'm curious what else uh, was in there. Somebody had mentioned that one of those pieces could be... Um, Further developing Lando's relationship with Janna and why he might be interested in her, uh, you know, her origin being his family and all that stuff that we kind of talked about in the last episode. So, um, you know, another thought too, you know, you talking about seeing the Jedi's at the height of their power. That was one thing I really liked about Episode Nine that we didn't get to talk about last week was that you got to see, uh, especially that scene where they're they're running through Kylo's ship. Um, and just wasting stormtroopers right before uh, Poe gets shot. They're kind of at their A-team best right there, just smoking guys. Yeah. And then, But you also see Kylo at the beginning of the movie uh, just really going to town with the, the Knights of Ren. And I really feel like that was kind of the first time in this universe we'd seen really two equal forces really at the top of their game. And I think that's part of what I, I liked about that movie. So those things all kind of connected in my mind.
0: Yeah, I would argue that, I mean, the whole... I mean, obviously, the First Order and the Resistance weren't equals, but I think Rey and Kylo Ren obviously were equals, and Mm. then kind of the, like, miniature little fighting forces within them kind of evened out, but just the the overall resources, obviously, were not equal. Right. Um, Also, not to just crap on uh, Zack Snyder and not uh, back it up, his movies include Dawn of the Dead, which, whatever... 300, which I liked, and then Watchmen, which was terrible, Legend of the Guardians, never heard of, Sucker Punch, which is one of the strangest, weirdest, most bizarre movies (laughs) of all time, Man of Steel, which is meh, the 300 sequel, which was meh, Batman vs. Superman. He is credited as a producer on Wonder Woman, but that's it, Uh, and then a producer on Wonder Woman 1984, Uh, but he hasn't written nor directed a good movie since
1: 300. I... Would believe that, and and I, I, I'm not really one for the. I haven't seen 300 either, but it, I. Uh, did he do Sin City too? Is that way back in? His? No, he no.
0: I mean, he's not credited at all. At least on uh, his Wikipedia okay. does not have it on him.
1: Um. Okay. I. It must be somebody else. I'm just not really his. His movies are so stylistic; they just don't really appeal to me as much.
0: Yeah, I. Um, it Sin City's Frank Miller. That's a oh. different guy. Yeah. Frank Miller, I believe, did the three hundred comic book originally. Oh, okay.
1: I knew there was some connection. Yeah,
0: I believe that's the connection there. But before we get too off topic here, um, all right, let's get into the Mandalorian. So let's do. I'm gonna give like kind of a brief synopsis, uh, and then we'll give our thoughts on it. We're not gonna go like real in depth on each episode individually; just some of the overall stuff that. Uh, interested us.
1: But if you haven't seen it, there will be spoilers.
0: Yes, there will be spoilers. Always, just always spoilers. It's been, the last episode's been out for more than a week, so if you haven't seen it yet, you obviously don't care that much. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of how I felt. I mean, that's just how I feel. Uh, Alright, so The Mandalorian, basically uh, you've got a bounty hunter in mandalorian uh armor and he accepts a bounty for this kind of off the record off the books um job which turns out to be baby yoda which we find out um, i'm basically skipping all the intricacies of the first episode there
1: Well, and and I think two important things there is that the client ends up being former Empire.
0: Client's former Empire. A person he's working with has Kamino um, signage on his uniform. Um, So we have connections to the Empire and to cloning in this uh, commission for the Baby Yoda child.
1: And that the child is not actually named Baby Yoda. That's just what everybody calls it.
0: Correct. Um, it's a child of Yoda species, which we'll get into who or what we think that is in a little bit here. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's basically, uh, that's basically the, the premise of the whole thing is he accepts his commission and he is successful in capturing baby Yoda. So, uh, the, uh, At this point, we have no name for the Mandalorians, so we just call him Mando. Um, They, I mean, we're doing spoilers, so we find out in Episode 8 his name is Din Djarin. But I might just keep calling him Mando. Yeah, either. Um, Also, it's really funny to hear Carl Weathers go, Mando! (laughs) Um,
1: It's probably worth mentioning, too, that this is set five years after the events of Return of the Jedi, which, in talking about... Well, who we think Baby Yoda is and all that—that yes, that
0: matters. That so. matters, um, and also Baby Yoda is given the age of fifty years old at the outset of yeah. the show, and um, which is
1: surprising in the first episode because yeah, because
0: you don't know it's a Yoda species, and so you're looking for a fifty-year-old man. Yeah, you're looking for an old man, and then you're like, you know, they the droid is like species age at different bases or whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, so basically the next. Part of the show is him just getting back to a ship, figuring out how to get the child back to um, back to Navarro, where the uh, the client is. We never get a name for the client. it's, yeah, it's just uh, called the client. Yeah, it's um,
1: uh, at least on IMDb. Herzog, what's his name? Warner uh, Herzog. Warner.
0: I keep wanting to call him Whitey, but I think that's a baseball player. <laughs> um, Warner Herzog is the is the guy that plays him, but he's who's, just the client.
1: Who's more famous as a director than he is an actor?
0: But just phenomenal in this role. Yeah, I loved him. Um, bounty hunting is a complicated profession. <laughs> um, just terrific. Uh, but so we're going uh, back to Navarro to deliver the child to the client, and. You can kind of start to see some conflict in Mando... That he doesn't really want to turn the child over. Um, something important happens as he's trying to get back to Navarro... Is uh, Baby Yoda saves him from a Mudhorn with the Force. Um, and the mudhorn's basically like a giant rhin- rhinoceros. Um, and so that becomes a... This is the first Force using we see from Baby Yoda... Uh, Mando doesn't really know what's happening Uh, and so that's that's a uh, that's an interesting that's a little interesting nugget that we get there unfortunately for a couple episodes that's about all we get from learning more about Baby Yoda which is one of my nitpicks about the series but so Mando goes back to Navarro uh, which is the planet he kind of is based off of and Returns Baby Yoda, despite his hesitations, to the client. Um, he has a change of heart, goes back, basically slaughters everyone except for the client who gets away, and he rescues Baby Yoda. Uh, then he's basically trying to seek. Um, well, chapter chapter four is called or uh, episode four is called Sanctuary. So he, he's trying to seek sanctuary, trying to find a place to hide out. He's on. Um, he finds uh, Sanctuary on a planet, uh, that, uh, on planet Sorgan, which is fairly peaceful. And he helps out some natives there. To And it seems like they're there for a while. They mention at least several weeks um, that they're on Sorgan. And then a bounty hunter finds them there. And so the Mandalorian's plan to leave the child there in um, their care is thwarted. So they take off. Uh, we go kind of to a couple adventure of the week episodes uh, in f- uh, episodes five and six. Was there anything in either of these that you thought was important in terms of, I mean, we kind of learned a little bit more about Mando's backstory. He used to run um, with these crews out of, um, with these crews that, basically don't ask any questions and they do, you know, illegal stuff, basically. Um, seems like he may have had a relationship with a Twi'lek woman at one point. Um, but that's about all we find out here. There isn't... So in chapter five, episode five, there's a there's a scene where um, Fennec Shand, who the they are is part of the adventure of the week he's he's helps another bounty hunter try to assassinate fennec shand where it seems like there might be something more there i don't know if we'll get to that in season two um but we don't find any more she is seemingly dead but at the end of the episode looks like they that she may not be dead as she's approached by a mysterious figure but we don't find that out in season one so wanted to address that 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 may become important at a later date but Uh, We don't know. Um, Finally, the season wraps up with the last couple episodes where Carl Weathers' character, Grief Karga, who is kind of the uh, Bounty Hunter Commission uh, general manager, I guess. Um, He's the regional manager. He's basically the Michael Scott of the Bounty Hunter Guild there um, on Navarro. He reaches out to the Mandalorian and says, Hey, ever since you stole the the asset, the child, and the clients just overrun the town with uh, ex-Imperials, and he's like, hey, let's work together, kill the client, you can um, take the child, and I'll have my town back, well, the plan was actually to, um, he meets back up with a couple of his buddies from earlier in the, the the Mandalorian meets up with a couple of his buddies, Cara Dune and Quill, from earlier in the season um, and they he brings them to help him with uh, Grief Karga but the original plan kind of goes awry because Grief Karga was going to betray Mando and steal the child but Karga is injured and Baby Yoda force heals Grief Karga which this was important because this episode came out two days before uh, the rise of Skywalker, and it kind of set the stage for like reminding people that you could be healed by the Force.
1: It definitely canonized the yes,
0: the ability. more. I mean, it was already canon in either the comics or the TV series. The the. Clone Wars or Rebel series. And and possibly in A and New Hope. Possibly in A New Hope, but this was kind of like a reminder of like, hey, this is the thing people can do.
1: Indisputable and recent.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Karga is uh, basically changed by this event. He kills his associates instead of killing uh, Mando and agrees to help uh, Mando still try and overrun the client. But uh, Basically, at this point, the we meet um, Moff Gideon, who it, in Episode eight we find out a lot about the Mandalorian again, who we find out his name is Din Djarin. We find out a lot about Cara Dune and her backstory as a um, shock trooper. We find out a lot about Greef Karga, who used to be like a city magistrate. Um, and so Grief Karga tells us a lot about what happened, um, to, in each of their, uh, their backstories. He's the one behind the client that is so in, uh, that is so intent on getting baby Yoda and, uh, basically it appears that they escape and that Grief Karga is dead, but, at the end of the episode and the end of the season, we see, uh, not Grief Karga, Moff Gideon is dead, um, and it appears he is dead, but he, we see him at the end of the season cutting himself out of his downed TIE fighter with the Darksaber, which I'm sure we will get to. Yeah. So, did I miss anything? That's a whole season, really fast, and a lot. Um, anything I miss specifically? Probably
1: only one thing that, that comes to mind that... Is a little bit important is in the first episode he because his job is off book uh, when he goes to actually find Baby Yoda he runs into this IG unit droid which is a an assassin bounty hunter uh, the bounty hunter droid and and that character ends up coming back later uh, Quill reprograms the droid to be the nanny for Baby Yoda um, who then ends up self- sacrificing himself for Baby Yoda. Um, and that, that all is incredibly important.
0: Correct. Okay. So, um, that is the, um, that is basically the Mandalorian in a nutshell. Um, first of all, I really like this. Uh, I really like the series. My only nitpick was kind of, I didn't love episodes five and six where they kind of go to the adventure of the week. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind that format in general, but I didn't feel like it advanced the overall plot in those episodes, which bothered me. Um, I, uh, I liked Four because it was kind of an adventure of the week when they went to Sorgan and he meets Caradune and they help the villagers. Mm-hmm. But it also established like, hey, he's trying to find Sanctuary. The bounty hunters can find him anywhere. That's not an option.
1: I, I would say that five was probably the low point for me. Um, I like
0: six less than five.
1: See, I, I liked six, but maybe partly because I like Bill Burr. Um he's, yeah. he's funny and it I liked of it some
0: just, of the jokes and kind of the like wink nods to to some of um, to some of the past canon or past kind of like inside baseball jokes of the Star Wars universe. I didn't like the episode itself that much. Especially because I feel like Episode 5, um, it which is called The Gunslinger, where, like I said, you've got Fennec Shand. I feel like that may pay off at some point, whereas I don't feel like anything's paying off from Episode 6.
1: I mean, I, I agree with that, but I also think that there's a piece of Episode 6 where you see Mando, at Pink Mando, you know, where... Yeah. Where he just uh, just goes to town on those uh, guards or, or on the droids and
0: right, which is fine. But like I, again, I'm okay with I'm okay with the adventure of the week structure, so long as it advances the overall plot of Mando and Baby Yoda. All it really did was like, hey, Mando's pretty good at this fighting thing. It's like, yeah, he's a bounty hunter. I assumed that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. I just. I think I enjoyed six was just a more fun episode in general than five was, and so
0: it just felt back to back. I felt I agree they were unnecessary, and it felt like the show had just grinded to a halt.
1: I I, I agree they they were the harder ones to get through, but at least at least six was faster for me. That I think that was part. of It just like the uh, you have some really cool visuals, and there's some of the screenshots even on IMDb of him. In that completely red uh, environment during the alert, you know, just like some, of it just looked really cool, and I was a little bit more. Uh, I found it a little bit more enjoyable. That that gal, what'd you, what race, what what uh, alien race did you say that she was?
0: Uh, Twi'lek. Uh, she she was interesting. She She's had a the real... ones with like they almost look like braids, but they're like tentacles off the, yeah. off her head, which they've appeared in lots of Star Wars movies. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and she had a real Harley Quinn kind of. Uh, you know. See, and I thought she was
0: just—I don't know—her the way she talked, it just like grossed me out. Yeah, that's fair. Like, and so I don't know if it was like her mannerisms or something with the teeth or whatever. I don't—it know, it grossed oh, yeah. me out. She
1: has weird teeth for
0: sure. It. She does a weird thing with the teeth and with her like mouth, and I just—I wasn't a fan.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
0: Um,
1: but i, I do agree. I think it. The, the putting them
0: back to back was a mistake in my in my book. Like, yeah. you could really have episode six anywhere in the last like five episodes of the series Mm -hmm. and it doesn't change anything yeah Yeah. and I feel like you should have split up it's the episodes that don't really take you anywhere
1: it's also the one that's the most different like it like if you took six out entirely I don't think you'd miss
0: I I wouldn't miss it at all
1: I don't think there's anything that really happens in it that that informs the rest of the thing so I get it from that regard um, in fact, it almost because of the, the setting and environment, everything is so different. It almost feels like a different show. It for, feels, you know, what it feels me. like.
0: It feels like an episode of like Star Trek: Deep Space Nine.
1: I wouldn't say that. I,
0: That's what it felt like to me.
1: Yeah, it to me it feels a little bit more like Agents of Shield or something.
0: I never watched Agents of Shield, yeah, so so. But either way, um, not
1: not our favorite. Um,
0: overall, really loved the um, really loved the series one of the issues that people have brought up is theoretically this is only five years after the um, this is only five years after uh, the return of the Jedi so theoretically people would know who Luke Skywalker was why don't people know what the force is mm-hmm. um, so that's a question that's been brought up the answers that I've heard kind of vary from well it's a big you know it's a it's a big galaxy, and information doesn't necessarily travel that well. Um, the other thing is, so I think people may have known about Luke Skywalker, but it's kind of an established thing in the Star Wars canon that a lot of people either don't know what the force is, or they just think of it as like a myth. They don't know that it's a real thing. Yeah, I
1: mean even in even in Episode Nine where Kylo is, you know, kind of talking about what's going on, he's got that sort of board of, uh, of generals or whoever. Yeah. And the guy starts mouthing off to him, and it's like, do you not know what happens when you mouth off to the ruling, you know, Sith? Yeah. And it's like, you are definitely getting choked out here. Yeah. Um, and in
0: this case, choked out and thrown to the ceiling.
1: Yeah, yeah, Because uh, Kylo has no chill whatsoever.
0: Um. Yeah, so th- there's that. There's also part of the reason that, and this is going to go a little deep cut on you, part of the reason there's a specific complaint about about that in this series specifically is because the Mandalorians have a history of warring with the Jedi. Yeah. And so, now, again, spoilers, what we learn in Episode 8 about Din Djarin, Mando, is that he's not from the planet of Mandalore. Mm -hmm. So he is... Adopted as a foundling as we hear him call himself earlier in the series by the Mandalorians and so he accepts their culture but it seems as though there's a lot of people who are they're kind of trying to rebuild the Mandalorian culture right but a lot of those people are not Mandalorians Mm -hmm. so it's possible that a lot of the people that are quote unquote Mandalorians now did not experience the warring with the Jedi on Mandalore right and so that is, to me, a plausible explanation why he's not familiar with it. He yeah. may never have even been to Mandalore. Right. And so while, and especially it's if it's a part of their history they're not proud of or, or that type of thing, they may just not teach that as part of the way, quote unquote. Right. You know, right. it seems a lot like it's less about history lessons and more about... Practice. Yeah, practice, and these are the things that we do, and... You know, almost like a monk-like type thing. Yeah. Um. It, it's actually not that dissimilar from the Jedi. No. In terms of the way they teach and and yeah, it's just a different. You know, he says my weapons are my religion. At some point, like yeah. Instead of instead of the Force being the central, it's it's being a warrior is the central po- yeah. point of their culture. Which,
1: which I think is something that's really interesting for me because. You find yourself rooting for the Mandalorian throughout the entire series. Yeah. And to find out that they have a feud with the Jedi is sort of like, whoa, but we like these people. Which, of course, is, you know, any good movie will or show will get you to actually sympathize with the quote-unquote villains. Um, Well, you want to feel
0: even more conflicted. Yeah. So in the... And again, this goes real nerd deep cut on the Clone Wars, which you're probably gonna have to, I'm probably gonna have to watch at some point too. But um, I've read enough about them and listened to other things that it I can kind of put the pieces together. So the team of Mandalorians that rescues Din Djarin, mm-hmm. which we see that play out in Episode Eight, appears to be the group called Death Watch, which Death Watch is, strictly speaking, a basically terrorist organization within the Mandalorian culture.
1: That's not episode 8. It's episode 3 where they, where they rescue him, isn't it?
0: No, you see it all play out. You see the whole thing play out in the oh, final episode. Oh,
1: okay. No, no. I, I get what you mean. He, he gets rescued in episode 3 as an adult by the rest of the... The yeah, yeah, or, no, no, no. When he's yeah, a child, when he's a child, when he's yeah, a yeah, child, yeah. and he
0: is rescued from the battle droid, which mm-hmm. we see why he doesn't like droids. Mm-hmm. Um, the the group that rescued him is called Death Watch. Uh-huh. Now, Death Watch was created because there was a pacifist ruler of Mandalore who said, "Hey, we're always at war. We're, like we never have any sort of stability. Let's have peace." And this. Splinter group comes off and said, "That's not who we are as people. We're warriors. Hmm. We're and so and that's Death Watch, and basically they're a terrorist organization. Hmm. At they like try and destabilize the government and everything like that. Now there's also a different because ver- at some point Death Watch gets taken over by um, Darth Maul, Ooh. which this is where the dark comes in.
1: Okay." Yeah, so, cuz I wanna know about that. I I did I saw it and I was like, that looks like a lightsaber but not like a lightsaber. So what's going on? Yes.
0: Here? Um so it's called the dark saber. And so let me do Death Watch first and then we'll get to the dark saber. Yeah. Um so Death Watch is taken over by Darth Maul after he's cut in half and he kind of the Dathomirians and Mandalorians have kind of a similar warrior culture. Um, and so the Uh, Darth Maul ends up taking over Death Watch as kind of part of his criminal organization. And from there, there are a group of people in Death Watch, a group of Mandalorians in Death Watch, that break off because they refuse to be led by a non-Mandalorian. So, theoretically, the ones that rescue Din Djarin could be the good Death Watch people, they also could be the terrorist organization, yeah. Um, which again is is more conflicting, yeah. For, um, who for, root for yeah, who are we who are we actually rooting for here? Um, all right, so let's get to the dark We mentioned it with um, Moff Gideon. He cuts himself out of the he cuts himself out of the uh, tie fighter with it, and so here's where this is important, and it all kind of connects together. The reason he knows all of this information about the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, Garadun is because he was a basically the imperial version of a Gestapo officer mm. on Mandalore. Mm. Um, it's, it's called the Imperial Security Bureau, I believe it's called. Um, and so that's why he has all this information on them. They were... It was either on Mandalore or wherever he was, uh, wh- wherever uh, Din Djarin was was at as a child. Anyway, um, so he's was, he was part of this basically Imperial Gestapo, and he was on Mandalore at some point. We know because that's where the dark saber comes from. It was a, it is a, it is a lightsaber. It's a real lightsaber. It was. It's an ancient lightsaber which was created by the first Mandalorian to become a Jedi. Um, And I don't have that name off the top of my head. I apologize. But it was um, basically there was the first Mandalorian becomes a Jedi and he creates the Darksaber. It was then put into the Jedi Temple and kind of not entombed but like it was just Archived there, basically, um, and the Mandalorians thinking it's a Mandalorian like symbol of their culture, break into the Jedi Temple, steal it back. Mm. So at this point, it becomes a Mandalorian almost
1: like an artifact, sort of. Not
0: artifact. It's it's almost like a like a scepter in terms mm. of like passing power. Mm. So almost whoever yields wields the Darksaber has, like, power, uh, at least a claim to the authority on Mandalore. Mm-hmm. And so it gets passed kind of from person to person uh, a little bit. And it's, if you're familiar with, um, I know you're not, but with Harry Potter at all, it's, it's very similar to the Elder Wand in terms of you kill the previous owner, take it, and um, it's passed that way, and then it, it's... It belongs to you, and you wield the power of it then at that point. It, it looks like that
1: Jedi's name was Tare Vistla.
0: Yes. Um, and so it gets passed down his line for a while, um, and different people from from his line. And then it eventually makes its way to, um, I want to say her name is Sabine. 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 Yeah. Um, she's the pacifist that I mentioned earlier. Okay. Uh, it makes its way to her and then her sister later on down the line who kind of rules Mandalore uh, at a later date. But um, Darth Maul, I believe, takes it from Sabine and then the Sabine sister eventually gets it back. That's the last place we know of it, I believe, before we see it with... Gre- uh, with uh, with Moff Gideon mm-hmm. and so the thought is that the, this great purge that keeps getting talked about in the Mandalorian is something that happens with this Imperial Security Bureau mm-hmm. and that Moff Gideon is part of these atrocities the war crimes that Cara Doom believes he was executed for on Mandalore and takes the, the Darksaber from Sabine's Sister and kind of takes over power on Mandalore at that point. So that's what the dark saber is, and kind of like a real brief history of how it's passed and how it probably got to Moff Gideon. Do you have any questions about that?
1: <laughs> no, that's pretty comprehensive.
0: Um, I don't know how it's made. Like I know how the red ones are made. I know how the white ones are made. I, I don't specifically know how the dark saber was made.
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't say here, I'm, I looked it up a little bit, it doesn't say how it's made, but it does say that um, it's different in that it sucks light into it, kind of like a black hole. Sure. Uh, as opposed to giving off light, like a regular lightsaber.
0: Another feature that it has is that it's heavier than a typical lightsaber or feels heavier than a typical lightsaber, hmm. and then as the wielder gets used to it hmm. and the... Darksaber kind of accepts its power; it becomes easier for them to wield. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of an interesting characteristic of the dark saber as well. Um, but that's that's like a real brief overview of what yeah. Moff Gideon has, mm-hmm. what he what the dark saber is. It looks super cool. Obviously, there's um, obviously this is a weapon that is that is wielded by a lot of non Jedi, mm-hmm. which is kind of the first lightsaber that we see consistently wielded by non-jedi. I mean obviously yeah. Finn does a little bit of lightsaber work in the in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. That's about it though in terms of non-jedi's using it as a weapon. Yeah. The dark saber is the exception there where it's almost exclusively after uh, Terrace Visla is that
1: Tare Tare Visla? I think yeah was the name.
0: Um after that original creator of the dark saber who was a Jedi uh it's almost exclusively used by non-Jedi. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is the dark Yeah. Why don't
1: we? Uh, you I want to
0: get into Baby Yoda. Uh,
1: well, I was just kind of curious. Like, what do you what do you like about Mandalorian? You you said that you uh, like it. I like it a lot too. Are there, are there any real standouts that, of things that you like? Um,
0: I really like Cara Dune. I don't know why. Like oh, I, just, I just yeah. really like Cara Dune.
1: the The folks in the office don't really care for her, uh, part, partly because they they don't maybe like her acting as much. Uh, I mean, they're wrong, but it's fine. Her, uh,
0: she's uh, Gina, Gina Carano. Gina Carano. She's a former MMA fighter. Yeah,
1: which is why I'm not going to argue with her acting ability at all. You're cool with me, Gina. Just I also me
0: listen. Like she's probably not. She's probably not winning like Academy Awards or anything, but I think it's exactly who this character would be. Yeah, like I, I think it's pretty spot on for if you're like this, just badass shock trooper who's not afraid of anything. Yeah, like that seems like how you would be. Like I thought she's played this role very well. I think yeah,
1: I think it's cast enough to her personality that I didn't really like. Have I think
0: a she's somebody it. you have to typecast. Like she's yeah. in one of the Fast and Furious movies. I don't remember which one, but if you. Typecaster correctly, I think she's fine. Like, I yeah. don't have an issue with her acting at all. And uh, let's be honest, like, Star Wars doesn't have, like, a lot of room to talk in terms of, oh, I didn't think the acting was that good. <laughs> like, let's lay off, all right? Um,
1: yeah, I, to that point, even... Some of the acting in, in the other episodes it has high and low points. That yeah, like I mean, like, Carl Weathers is kind of, like,
0: going for it, right? <laughs> like, he's he's, like, shooting, he's, like, living his best life. He's shooting a shot. Yeah. You know, like, in the episode, I think it's episode three, where he comes back with the child, and he's, like... Mando, yeah, yeah. like they hate you because you're a legend. <laughs>
1: and it's like, well, eh, let's turn it down like a
0: notch and a half. There, Carl Weathers. Yeah, to
1: that to that point too. I like Moff Gideon a lot as as a yeah. bad guy, but um, I feel like he maybe isn't as convincing of a sort of the intellectual Nazi type as like Christoph Waltz in *Inglorious Bastards*.
0: See, uh, can, have you watched *Breaking Bad*? Uh, no. So if you watch Breaking Bad, like you just buy him instantly. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no. that's his character. He's like the he's the mastermind behind the operation. Mm. Spoilers for Breaking Bad, I guess. I think um,
1: I think he's good at it. it. It's just that he, I don't know. Christoph Waltz is so calm that you're. It almost like has this, this like un, unsettling nature to. Here's it. Here's the
0: difference between Christoph Waltz and um, and grief or excuse me, Moff Gideon. Yeah is Christoph Waltz is not just calm. He's, like, seemingly nice to you. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Moff Gideon is not nice to you. Yeah. He's just very calm, very collected, very much like... That's the difference between his character here and his character in, like, Breaking Bad. Yeah. His character in Breaking Bad, you're not sure he's that bad of a guy until later on. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no, he's the devil. Yeah. But in this, it's more just like, hey, I'm the devil. I'm just really chill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Which yeah. I'm fine with. Like, yeah. you have enough of, whether it's Darth Vader or um, or Kylo Ren, you have enough char- bad characters in this universe that are just raging. Yeah. That, like, it makes sense that a, 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 a He's almost like a, a Grand Moff Tarkin, right? Like, there's... Totally. I don't think Grand Moff Tarkin ever comes off as nice. No. Or you're, like, confused about, like, oh, maybe he's not that bad? You're like, he's evil. He's just, like, real chill about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, for sure. Which, which almost makes it yeah, it's usually mo- worse. More disturbing cuz you're like, "Oh, he doesn't either. He doesn't even realize what he's doing is evil or he just at no no level does he care."
1: No, it's like he's just completely sold his soul to the devil. Okay? Yeah, he's
0: like, "No, this is my this is my job. This is what we do." Yeah. Um
1: I I love how just incredibly it, I would I could just listen to that guy talk. I mean, he's just really Yeah,
0: like, I keep wanting to call him um I keep wanting to call him Gus Fring because that's his name in, in Breaking Bad. Yeah,
1: that's Giancarlo Esposito.
0: Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito. Um, very, I, I like him as an actor a lot. I think he's very good, yeah. um, especially in this type of role, kind of the mastermind bad guy role. I, thought, I think he does a very good job. Um, the so uh, what else do I like? I liked um, obviously I love Baby Yoda. Yeah. Um, just instant I saw him, I'm just sold. Um, and I'm calling it him because they call him a him. Mm. I don't know if we're gonna find out later that oh, Baby Yoda is not a him. Yeah. But they specifically call Baby Yoda a him in the show. So I'm not being like you know sexist imperialist like they call him a him in the show. So we're gonna figure it out when when we figure it out. But yeah. um, I really liked. Uh, yeah. I, I, obviously, I love Baby Yoda. Um, I love I, I really love Kara Dune. Which she's in season two, which I'm happy about. Um I'll be interested to see if we see Omera again, the woman on Sorgan that it seems like Mando might have like a little crush on. Yeah. I'll be interested to see if she returns. Um I really I don't know, I just like the I, I just like being in the Star Wars universe. I enjoy that. Yeah. Um and also I I enjoy there not being the pressure of the expectations that come with the Skywalker saga, the saga right? Yeah. So yeah. you've got like ever, ever since the first three came out, because they all came out before I was born, so I have no frame of context before that, right? Mm-hmm. Ever since then, whether it was the prequels, which I was young enough not to have like a ton of expectations for at least Episode One, mm-hmm. uh, by Attack of the Clones and and uh, Revenge of the Sith, I did, but basically everything after the original trilogy has been weighed so far down by expectations that a huge portion of the fan base is going to be unhappy regardless. Yeah. And so it's nice to be removed from that enough. I think that's part of the reason everyone likes Rogue One so much. Like, there's almost... I haven't found anybody that doesn't like Rogue One. Right. And if they... If I find them, I've cut them out of my life immediately. (laughs) Um, It's just a phenomenal movie. But it's also it felt like the stakes of the series were lower because it wasn't a direct Skywalker movie, but it felt like the stakes of the movie were super high in terms of like the actual action of the movie and not the existence of the movie. Yeah. Whereas like the existence of The Mandalorian, the stakes don't feel high, the fact that it's a Star Wars property. The stakes just feel high in terms of like, dear God, please protect Baby Yoda.
1: Yeah. Although I will say, uh, kind of on the other hand, that I feel like... The stakes were high for Disney Plus in the sense that this is their
0: first real, sure, original series. I just mean for the. And, I'm not talking about for Disney or their business model or anything like that. I'm strictly talking about for the story of Star Wars. Well,
1: I I get that. I, what I well, the reason I brought that up though is because I think that had it failed, uh, that had it felt like a prequel or even like a Clone Wars cartoon or something, where it just where like the OG fans of Star Wars weren't bought in on this. Sure. Then it it probably would have been both bad for the series, the franchise, and Disney Plus. Yeah. We um, probably
0: wouldn't have gotten the aggressive rollout of more content like we're probably going to get. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we may not get another movie for another three or more years, but we've got season two comes out next fall for The Mandalorian. We've got the Obi Wan show coming out, either in 2021 or 2020. I'm not sure which. Um, and then uh, I believe there's, a, like I said, I believe there's a Cassian Andor uh, series in production. Uh, you've got so you've got lots of things starting to come about. There's even been talk of because originally Solo was supposed to be a trilogy, mm-hmm. um, or at least a sequel. Mm-hmm. And there's talk about maybe a Solo series. Um, because a lot of people have the experience that I think we had where it's aged better with multiple viewings and not being right after... Because it was right after Last Jedi? Uh, Solo?
1: Right oh, the When it came out?
0: Yeah. Uh, so I think it was Last Jedi and then Solo. Yeah,
1: it would have been Rogue One, Last Jedi, Solo, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: So you already had people kind of discontent with Last Jedi and then... You have solo come right off the heels of it and i think people just like weren't in love with it um, but as they've kind of gotten out of that haze i think it's aged a lot better so there's even been rumors i don't know how serious of there may being whether it's a solo movie released on disney plus or a solo series of them maybe continuing that with with uh, Aaron Alden or whatever his name is, I think it's Alden Aaron Rec. Right, <laughs> I was so close. Um, <laughs> you spoonerized it. I did spoonerize it. Um, so yeah, I just I I just liked all of that, and yeah, I don't know. The I'm really in on. I'm like kind of obsessed with this, uh, like the Mandalorian, like Creed. I'm kind of fascinated by mm-hmm. it, and yeah, yeah, like the mythosaur, and like why did they come up with this rigid set of Of living standards is it because they almost came extinct like because in the Clone Wars yeah because the the helmet thing is not a thing in Clone Wars so this the helmet part specifically is a recent development interesting yeah Um, so like why did that come into play has the creed always existed but like the helmet thing was like an amendment later we
1: we totally see uh, Boba or Django Django takes takes his helmet
0: off all the time and also there's there's a lot of again, Mandalorian stuff in the Clone Wars, and they take their helmets off and stuff. So it's not always been the case. Yeah. Like, we don't know why it became the case. We don't know how long it's become the case. Um, but it, something obviously has changed, whether it's the Great Purge, whether they're protecting themselves, their identities from the Empire, what it is. Um, so there's just a lot about the Mandalorian culture that I'm fascinated by. Um, this whole thing of, you know, Mandalorians aren't a, aren't a race. They're a creed. Um like that's kind of cool. I just like the whole thing. I like the, I like the look of it all. Like the the little mythosaur symbol, I think is really cool. Yeah. The, the imagery of the, the Mandalorian, the helmet and the, the armor. Like I just I like it all.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it, you know, one reason that I, one reason that I brought up that, uh, I think the stakes were high for Disney Plus is because, I I think really that very beginning of the first episode there's just this sniff test of does this feel like a Star Wars th- thing or yeah. not um, and because I mean you can tell from the very beginning of the prequels whether or not those feel like the Star Wars that we know or not and this this has the flavor of the original Star Wars trilogy um, and and for me that is because it's in the very capable hands of John Favreau who I think is Fantastic! In fact, I find myself wishing that he'd been given episode eight instead of uh, Ryan Johnson.
0: So there's gonna be so. Jon Favreau is very important. Another very important character in this development is Dave Filoni. Yeah, that Filoni is not only involved with the Clone Wars and Rebels, Mm -hmm. which I think he's almost exclusively creatively responsible for. But he's kind of the... You're not going to have very many things involving Dave Filoni that don't feel like original Star Wars. Yeah. Because he's kind of George Lucas's chosen successor. Hmm. Interesting. From my understanding. Yeah. Like, he has a relationship with George Lucas, or at least did at one point, and George Lucas has kind of, like, sat him down and explained his universe, his world, his galaxy, mm. how everything works. And so Dave Filoni being involved in this... For like old school Star Wars fans, because like there's a segment of the Star Wars population that doesn't crap on George Lucas the way I do, <laughs> um, he gives that legitimacy to them. Yeah. Whereas I love John Favreau. Obviously, the more Marvel people we can get involved in Star Wars to make sure we have like a coherent story. Like I'm on board. Um, yeah. I Kevin mean, Feige I think is involved now, um, who basically was like the overarching architect. Which I think he basically stole Kathleen Kennedy's job. Because Kathleen Kennedy was n- seemingly not very good at it in terms of like building a coherent story arc, um, and so having Kevin Feige involved, having John Favreau involved, and now and obviously Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni is really important for a lot of this cool stuff that we're getting that's connecting to the sto- the Clone Wars. Um, but that's also John Favreau because he's obsessed with this Mandalorian culture and this time period between six and seven. Yeah, um, and also I believe John Favreau voiced a character in the Clone Wars as well. Um, so that's obviously all credit due to John Favreau, but I wanted to make sure Dave Filoni got mentioned as well because there is a a direct correlation back to the original Star Wars with um, with his involvement.
1: Yeah, I I mean it's what one thing that's interesting is that Dave Filoni actually uh wrote and directed one of the episodes we didn't care for as much but I I agree that he brings he, he did episode five um which was one of the uh episode of the week or which again
0: I liked five more than six yeah, and well, I we think we were split on that five has the opportunity to be built off of in season two yeah whereas I don't feel like six did
1: uh, but the thing I will say about John Favreau is that <sighs> I don't think it's enough to just say that he was part of the Marvel universe. I mean, he launched the Marvel Cinematic Universe because Iron Man One was so good. And for my money, yes. yeah. Iron Man One is still probably the best movie of that entire franchise. Ooh. I know that's a hot um, opinion. But. It's
0: one of the best for sure. I don't. It's not that hot. It, it's it's one of the best for sure, but it's probably not my favorite to watch. Yeah, um, I like watching it, but like I love Thor Ragnarok, I love that movie. Um, yeah, I mean the first Guardians of the Galaxy is really really good. Yeah, the second one I don't like, um, I couldn't even finish it. Uh, but like Thor Ragnarok and the first Guardians of the Galaxy are in that neighborhood for me I, as well. I would also
1: probably put the first Captain America, and, and actually for that matter, all three Captain Americas are pretty
0: good. But I don't like I don't like Civil War. Okay it's just not uh, it's not a fun movie to watch I don't know
1: yeah it it kind of feels like an adventures Avengers, uh, Avengers Junior movie like it's it's sort of like almost Avengers movie but it's not yeah
0: it's like an Avengers light yeah and there's just I don't know it just wasn't that fun to watch like the whole thing yeah. was like real dark and I thought I I don't know I understood why Tony Stark was mad at him
1: I will say Black Panther probably is
0: Black Panther I love Black Panther uh,
1: but that said. All of those were building off of the incredible work sure, yeah. that that Iron Man did,
0: and Iron Man definitely holds up. Like it's in the top handful for sure.
1: Yeah, and especially when you think about like how uh, you know we worried that Solo uh, or even Episode eight, eight could kind of tank the Star Wars universe, and that it really matters if you get out on the right foot. Sure, and and he did that so much for them in Iron Man, and not to mention too. Uh, you know, creating Elf and it being, you know, a Christmas classic, which, by the way, is a super hard thing to attain.
0: It, yeah, it's, it's hard to... We see this with Christmas music, too. Like, it's yeah. hard to create new classics with holiday stuff.
1: Yeah. And and so, John Favreau, for me, belongs in a league of his own. Honestly, along up, up there along with J.J. Abrams, I think those two will end up being uh, some of the names that we think of, like Spielberg... Uh, and and some of the others that that really define the movie industry. So that's part of why I wanted to call this out, is that I think that the choices about practical effects, uh, the choices about visuals, all of those things that that really make a world feel complete is something that he is a master in, and he's shown that more than once now.
0: Yeah, so I also wanted to um, acknowledge some of the other like directors and writers that were involved with these yeah um, so the one of the, the or the guy that directed episode 8 uh, is Taika Waititi yeah who he directed Thor Ragnarok yeah
1: which is also why 8 is funny at the beginning it seems like you know that he allows yeah that, cause um, it's his wheelhouse
0: and he's also uh, he wrote and directed the upcoming Thor movie in 2021 yeah, uh, love and thunder is what that one's called
1: speaking of, so while we're on episode 8 real quick um, you, you know, you're the one who pointed out to me that Jason Sudeikis was one of the funny uh, scout troopers, scout troopers yeah. in the beginning but did you see that the other one was Adam Paul
0: yeah who is that
1: uh, so <laughs> the only thing I know him from is uh, the Mindy Project and oh okay,
0: I like I recognize the name. I just yeah. off the top of my head. I or, don't...
1: Sorry, Adam Pally or Adam Pally. Pally yeah. I think Pauly. Um, let's see what else he's, he's been in. Uh, he's been in a handful
0: of other things. Nothing that really sticks out is Dirty
1: Grandpa, which I did not see.
0: I didn't either. That's is that the oh that's the one with uh, Zach Efron and Robert uh, De Niro. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was thinking Bad Grandpa for a minute, which was uh, uh, Johnny Knoxville. Johnny, not yeah. <laughs> But he uh, it, it, apparently it was in Iron Man three and some stuff. But um, Mindy Project is what I know him from. So
0: yeah, you've got obviously you've got John Favreau, you've got Taika Waititi. Which there's a rumor. I don't know if it's been confirmed that Taika Waititi is getting. A, a, either I don't think it's a movie. I think he's getting a, a Disney Plus Star Wars series. Ooh. I interesting. don't know because Deborah Chow is doing Obi Wan. Oh, she is. Yeah. Um, okay. And she. Which episodes did she do? She did. She did. Oh, she, yeah, she did. She and, did the sin. So chapter three. Yeah. She did. That's the one where he returns the uh, baby Yoda to the client, and then which was one of the best episodes. I mean, three and seven are two of the best episodes. Yeah. yeah. Of one, the one of
1: the things I want to talk about with three isn't that the one where uh, the uh, the Jawas are taking apart his ship? And that's he starts, two. Oh, Okay, so. I didn't love the end of 2, but when he starts smoking the Jawas at the beginning of uh, 2. Oh, with his, like, disintegrator? Yeah. <laughs> and they just start freaking out. Yeah. Um, that was a that good Yeah,
0: that is, uh, that's episode 2. Yeah,
1: but the action in 3 and...
0: And in 7. Yeah. Both of those are phenomenal.
1: Yeah. I loved seeing the Death Troopers back, and... Um, yeah. Yeah. She did
0: really, yeah, really so well. Yeah, so she did really well. Taika Waititi, uh, she and she's got the Obi-Wan series. Taika Waititi...
1: I thought Bryce Dallas Howard was a really interesting uh, entry into this. She's not a terribly well-known director, but obviously her dad, Ron Howard, is uh, you know one of the most famous directors. Well, and he did Solo, right? Yeah.
0: And so from what I understand is she's like this is the first time she's like yeah I'm calling in a favor, Dad. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's she's awesome. like I I think she just grew up loving Star Wars and was like hey. Like pull the string. Like yep. I've never, I haven't asked for much in terms of yeah. tried to make it on my own, but like make this happen for me. She um, basically
1: has zero directing credits. I mean, like there's, there's which sh-
0: I thought the sanctuary was a really good episode. Yeah, really. I think she. Did great. I thought she did a terrific job. Yeah,
1: uh, I I will say it's tonally a little bit different. From it is. It's
0: a it's a it's sweeter.
1: It's a little more feminine. Yeah, uh, you know if if I were to say it, um, where the women of the village and uh, Cara Dune. Are more prominent characters, but I think that that was good. I think that I thought it was a good
0: tonal change because
1: versus your Adventure of the Week episodes that are tonal and just kind of a little more pointless. This, yes, this feels like it expands and enriches the universe that we're in.
0: And also, it's just the there is a sweetness to Baby Yoda yeah. that I feel like gets explored a little bit more in the Sanctuary in episode four that Bryce Dallas Harper did. Howard. Howard. Yeah. Bryce Harper is a baseball player. I was, I was like, where did that come from? Um, uh, Bryce Dossauer did that. I think was important because we probably see the most of Baby Yoda's personality in Episode Four, where he's interacting with the other children. He's kind of you kind of see him being a child in yeah. that, where we don't get to experience that in any other episode. Yeah. So I really liked that. Um, obviously, I, I loved the the Taika Watiti Episode Eight. Um, Deborah Chow did really good. Um, Dave Filoni also did the first episode, which I thought was really good. And again, I don't dislike... The first episode? Uh, yeah, Dave Filoni directed the first episode. Oh. He no, was John Favreau did. It. it was written by John Favreau. Oh. I don't think John Favreau directed any of these. Oh,
1: good. Check it
0: out. He wrote all of them. Yeah. He did not, uh, di- except for six, which, oh, uh, that makes sense. He didn't write six, and he didn't write five. Filoni wrote and directed five. Um he Favreau wrote one, two, three, four, seven, and eight. Well,
1: there you go. So the
0: good ones John Favreau wrote, basically. Yeah. Um again, and five I think in a vacuum could be good if it pays off at some point. Yeah. Um six, I don't know who Rick Famiwa is.
1: He's he seems to be fairly new. Um or no, I guess take that back.
0: But let's not give him any more Star Wars stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, he's fairly new. He hasn't really been making stuff only since a lot, uh, the lot... Uh,
0: I mean, he has stuff all the way back to 99.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I was looking at his producer credit. But
0: it's kind of hit and miss. Like, there's not... Nothing big. No. There's honestly probably the biggest thing he's done... Was the Shy? Oh, I was going to say it was... Uh, the Hassan Minaj, he okay. was an executive yeah, yeah. producer on that, yeah. um, which is, uh, which was a, a pretty big uh, comedy special. But
1: yeah, the EPs aren't necessarily that. No, I don't know how
0: involved he was. Yeah. But yeah, maybe we don't let Rick Fumi Yu uh, do anything else. Uh, I mean, uh,
1: don't know. I'd give him another shot. I thought he, I thought he did the episode well. It's just I'm not sure that the episode should have belonged. Right, but he the wrote universe. the
0: episode too. He wrote it and directed it. So yeah. mm, I don't know. I wasn't. In, I, he was my least favorite involved so far. Just Christopher
1: Yost was also responsible for, um, for the writing on on episode six, and he did Thor Thor the Dark World, which I think we can agree might be the very worst. But of he was also on franchise. Ragnarok. So
0: yeah, I'm seeing him credited on Ragnarok. Yeah, as but well, I think so. Taika
1: Waititi's probably he probably did the heavy lifting on that. Well, one. and not only that, but a lot of that movie was improvised as well. So
0: so he does a lot of. It looks like he's. Best known as a comic book writer,
1: Uh, Christopher Yost. That makes sense.
0: Um, So that might be part of the disconnect there, but yeah. So I, um, what did were there things besides the stuff that I mentioned that you specifically liked or didn't like about the series? Uh,
1: Again, I think the use of practical effects is is such a huge thing in making these feel uh, like they belong in the right Star Wars universe. I liked that there was a disconnect between, um, you know, Baby Yoda and the use of the Force and the the audience. Uh, You know, I was actually thinking about today. I was thinking about you know who really knew about Kylo Ren's Force abilities. You know, because I mean, you have uh, you you have Ray who in Episode Seven doesn't even really believe in the Force. Uh, You know, like it's all true. You know, and
0: um yeah when yeah she's just unaware
1: well right yeah but i mean exactly when you say
0: doesn't believe it it makes makes it 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 sound sound like she heard about it and was like nah yeah right right. like han solo didn't believe in the force yes
1: but just to say that that um and and i know that when we talked about um i think rogue one uh when we we had your buddy on um i'm liking it nick nick yeah um you know, and he talked about how Darth Vader's powers weren't really well known. And so this would have been a terrifying experience yes. for the people on that, that ship. And so kind of like recontextualizing, just because we know so much about these characters because... It's hard
0: to remember that they're not only... And also you have to remember that like Jedis are kind of like monks. Yeah. So they're probably not out there doing like press tours. Right, yeah. Um. So there's probably... And again, it doesn't seem like the galaxy communicates terribly well.
1: Well, yeah, and even I was actually thinking the same thing in uh, what episode seven I think, where I'm uh, sorry, episode seven, The Mandalorian, where they're trying to get a message down to the culvert uh, to help them, and nobody's responding. And of course, that's because the culvert has largely been basically slaughtered. died, yeah. Um, and and but how low tech their abilities to communicate are, and. I think that's something that this series does right is that you know it's the practical effects the challenges that they have in communicating um you know his, his ship being broken a lot and falling <laughs> apart and being attacked by Jawas and that kind of stuff there's just so much of that stuff that that feels like kind of the World War 2 ish uh you know world that we know Star Wars to live in where um you know I, a movie that I've loved um recently is uh I think it's called Unbreakable. Um, the the uh, Unbroken. Sorry, that's Unbreakable. Oh, that movie was terrible. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Ugh. Um, but so much of it had to do with, you know, just how hard it was. You know, their rickety old plane crashes in the Pacific, and he has to, like, murder fish to try to live, and, you know, and. Uh, and they have to avoid the sharks and all this stuff. It was, it was a very very difficult movie to watch because of. You got that. very
0: vegan on me there for a minute with the murder fish. It's no, just called well, fishing, man. No,
1: I know, but because it, it was just so more violent though, because he has he has to like figure out how to kill them and not just it's not just dropping a line on the boat. I'm fine, you know. Um, they have to like figure out how to stab them and stuff, and um, yeah, but. You know, but it's stuff like that where in this universe is like he's got to figure out how to put his shit back together, and money matters, and uh, and so he has to do jobs that he doesn't want to do in order to help put things back together, and you know, it's just like all of those things. And I liked Quill and that kind of that whole plot line where um, the only reason he's really helping is because he wants all of you all off this planet, yeah. you know, and um, and how uh, I I like the little cultural bits of. You know, that this is the way, and I have spoken, and those things that just make these characters feel like they've been around forever. I find myself
0: saying this is the way to people a lot. Oh, for sure,
1: for sure. And it brings back that, you know, I mean, that's kind of the same feeling that a kid in 1979 would have, uh, or 78, 79, having seen Star Wars for the first time, and they probably say things like, may the force be with you. And it just, like, it brings you back in the universe in a way that makes it feel like this all happened. You know, and and huge props to the to the makers of this show for for making us feel like that again.
0: For sure. Um, so, did you want to get to nitpicks or baby Yoda first?
1: Um, let's go baby Yoda.
0: Okay. So, okay. obviously, this is not Yoda. Right. It is not a baby version of Yoda. Of the actual character. Of Yoda, the right? of the the actual character named Yoda. Correct. This is not him. Right. Age-wise, it does not work out. We're at um, 9 ABY, which is after Battle of Yevon, which is how Star Wars is numbered. That's yeah. how their their, right. their date system works, yeah. right? So, nine years
1: after the first Death Star blew up.
0: Yes. Um, so five years after the original trilogy concludes, nine years after it began. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are at 9 ABY, and Baby Yoda is 50 years old. Yeah. Meaning it cannot be Yoda who would be a dead after, at Mm -hmm. 9, Aby and B would be 900 at this point if he were alive. Yeah. So, not the actual baby Yoda. Uh, Now, Mm -hmm. it is also incredibly unlikely, not impossible, but fairly unlikely that it is Yoda's direct offspring. And the reason I consider... Time-wise, it works out. Right. Because it would have occurred before the events of... Phantom Menace.
1: Right, that's actually what I was just occurring to me because that if that if that puts it forty one years before uh, the Battle of Yavin. That means that it's in also before the prequel.
0: Yes, because that's about a thirty year span. Yeah, basically, um, between well, it's about a thirty year span between one and six because there's yeah. ten years between one and two. There's another three between two and three. And then there's like 19 between 3 and 4.
1: Yeah. So we're close, but it's... So that's 13,
0: 1932 32, and then there's only 4, sort like 36. Yeah. Um, so we would be at, we're about 5 years before um, the beginning of The Phantom Menace is when Baby Yoda was born. So it could... Time-wise and and chronologically, be Yoda's child.
1: Yeah, and maybe he's pulling a Tony Randall. Like, he's just a super old guy having a Um, kid.
0: The reason I say it's unlikely, which maybe not unlikely, but to me would be unsatisfying because it kind of retcons his character a little bit, is because of how stringent Yoda is about attachment and that type of thing with Anakin, when Anakin's struggling with the Padme stuff. Yeah. So to me, it doesn't make a ton of sense in terms of the story.
1: Unless he's so stringent about it. Because, because he had a ball. baby. <laughs> um,
0: again, that would be like some pretty hardcore retconning. Yeah, um, I agree. So I wish I didn't. Not impossible, but in my opinion, unlikely.
1: Yeah. And I will say, too, I mean, along those lines, there was a lot of thought around Rey being Luke's daughter and, and having a similar line. And I'm glad that they didn't do it as much as part of me wanted that to be true. Um, I, I like that Luke turns out was a full fledged Jedi and kept to that. Uh, at least as far as we know, and didn't get married and have a kid and all that kind of sure, stuff. Sure, yeah. And so it would probably feel worse if they did the same thing to Yoda that I'm happy they didn't do to Luke.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think that part of the Jedi Code is stupid, but we can have that discussion. I mean,
1: that's, a, that's a fair point, but and I think it's the also... The only
0: reason it would bother me with Yoda is because we already have him in canon having these discussions with Anakin on about the, the same record. thing. Yeah. Whereas like Luke and even Obi-Wan, to a certain extent, after... Um, after this time period. They could be scoundrels. We don't know. Well, yeah. not just that, but you can kind of understand. It. It's like, well, they think the Jedi Order is basically dead. Yeah. They're more or less just trying to live their lives at this point. Yeah. Now, I get that Luke is trying to, at one point, do the the whole um, Jedi Academy and whatever, but yeah. it, it makes more sense if one of them were to have an offspring versus Yoda, yeah. specifically. For sure. Um, the other options are, well, actually... There's two other options, but it seems like one was eliminated in the show. Okay. Because the um, the, one of the options is that Baby Yoda is a clone of Yoda. Mm Mm-hmm. Or a clone of a Yoda species. Um, Now, Quill says in Episode 7 that the child is too imperfect to be a clone or to be a duplicate, or I don't Mm. remember his exact wording, but basically indicates that he does not believe the child is a clone. Yeah. Which I think that is supposed to be the nod to you that the child is not a clone. Right. Um, So that...
1: Maybe a little more direct than a nod. Well, yes.
0: But, I mean, Quill could be wrong. I mean, he's... But he also was... Experience. Worked for the Empire, seemed and kind of experienced with some of the cloning and stuff that they did, so he would seem to know. Um, He does kind of make like a funny old guy, like, he doesn't come off as hitting on Kara, but he also says, now this one, she's flawless enough to be a clone or something like (laughs) that. Yeah. um, Which I thought was funny and just kind of gets like glazed over, but it didn't come off as creepy somehow, so congrats, Queel, on that. (laughs) Um, But. So that would seem to eliminate that option. Yeah. Now, again, they could they could very easily retcon that to allow him to be a clone still. But based on what we know so far, I'm crossing clone off the list. So the third option, which is probably the least interesting but the most plausible, is that it's simply a member of Yoda's species. Yeah. Um, and that would be... Now, it could be related to Yoda somehow or I don't know, whatever. But just another... Non-directly Yoda um, non-directly Yoda related uh, member of the species. Now, the reason this would matter is because one of the few things we know about Yoda species, one of the few things that George Lucas revealed about Yoda species, is that it's a particularly force-sensitive and force- powerful species. We don't know a name. We don't know what planet they come from. We don't know anything else, basically. Which is rare, because you know how much George Lucas likes to world build. Yeah. Um, so obviously he was keeping this secret for a reason. This is why Dave Filoni's involvement matters. Yeah. Because as his kind of chosen successor, it seems as though he had his blessing to tell this story. Yeah. Um, either that or they had a falling out, and Filoni's like, well, you told me all this stuff anyway, I'm doing <laughs> it. Um, but it would seem as though Filoni has... George Lucas's blessing to tell the Yoda species story. Yeah. Um, so, to me, that's where my money would be, yeah. is that the, it's just a member of the Yoda species, and this happens to be a very powerfully force-sensitive yeah. species. Yeah. That's where I land on that. Yeah. Now, it seems like you want it to be Yoda's actual child.
1: Uh, I mean, I I think it'd be fun, um, but... I mean, I, I totally agree with you on the reasons why it would be a little messed up if it was. I guess I'm probably just a little bit surprised that so far in the Jedi, you know, order, we have not yet found somebody who slipped up and had a kid. Um, that And maybe, that's, maybe that, that's credit to those guys, but I, I, I feel like on my side, I feel like it'd be an interesting storyline. You know, it's like, who's the one guy who... I, it'd be
0: funnier. Oh, you know. I mean, not funnier, but I, <laughs> I feel like there should just be like an entire spoof series uh, called like "Bastards of the Jedi Order," <laughs> <laughs> just like all the illegitimate children of the of the Jedi, because like you know, there's some out there, right? Well,
1: and it's, it's that's kind of what I'm saying. Is it just it's a little uncanny that that like none of these guys are. And yeah, I mean, you could say like, well, they're elite. They, they to make it to be a Jedi, and maybe the people who who did fall in love and whatever they flunked out and never got to the part where they got to make their saber and all that kind of sure. nonsense but um, it just to me it seems like with uh, with the number
0: know, especially and maybe we'll see some of that in the um, mm-hmm. new movie if it is set in the high republic days where you've got yeah a ton of Jedi yeah. at the height of their power like maybe you will see more of the I guess not more just of the life parts yeah. of being a Jedi. And
1: also we don't know that this is a rule that's been around forever. That's always existed. You know, and, yeah. may, and it's possible there is a reason.
0: Now uh, it seems like it really goes back more to the attachment thing which does seem like it's been a rule forever. Yeah. But again, we don't know for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I'm i not totally married to the idea that, that it has to be Yoda's kid. It, I think you're right. It, it makes more sense if, if he's not
0: For sure. Okay. So that's Baby Yoda. Now, there is one thing I wanted to touch on. We talked about it a little bit in the Rise of Skywalker Mm -hmm. podcast. Um, So obviously, this ex-Imperial group wants Baby Yoda for a very specific reason. And maybe if not a specific reason, a very important plan that they have involving Baby Yoda, right? Yeah. So we know that. We know that uh, Dr. Pershing extracted something from Baby Yoda back in Episode 3, and we know that Dr. Pershing has um, Kamino cloning ties because of the emblems on his uniform, and we know that Baby Yoda is incredibly Force-powerful. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it makes sense that they're, and not only Force-powerful, but can Force-heal. Yeah. So, to me, it makes sense that there may be a direct tie-in. Again, we are only five years after the Return of the Jedi. That there may be a direct tie-in between Baby Yoda and the clones that Palpatine is trying to make. Or that they're trying to either heal Palpatine with Baby Yoda or make clones with Baby Yoda DNA or midichlorians or whatever. Yeah. To allow Palpatine to come back to a physical body and not just be a dark... Sith spirit floating around the universe. <laughs> yeah. Um, that to me feels like where this could be going. Yeah. And if so I think that's a very appealing kind of broader stroke connection to the Star Wars universe in general. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, the timing of this coming out when it did right before Rise of Skywalker um
1: The fact that they altered the release schedule because of... What, seemingly because of...
0: And it might just be... It it might just be like, oh, we didn't want Mandalorian and The Rise of Skywalker to come out on the same day. I don't know. But, it also... If there was no connection, why wouldn't you just wait until after Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, like skip a week. Well, I just mean to launch the series, even.
1: Uh, I mean, Disney Plus coming out when it did was important, and... The series coming out when it did, you know, was was part of that. I think there's some pretty obvious business reasons why they would they would make those choices, but I think the altering of the release schedule around the Rise of Skywalker does seem suspicious to me.
0: Yeah, I think that the, the release schedule of both seem makes it feel like they're connected to me. Yeah. You could have come out with it maybe a little earlier, you could have come out with it after Rise of Skywalker. I think you could have launched it at any time. They chose to launch it, so it synced up almost exactly with the Rise of Skywalker uh, release. So, I yeah. do think they're connected. I don't know if that's how they're connected. Yeah. Um, we'll find out. Season 2 is being shot um, right now. It's going to release in about eight months, I think. It's fall yeah. of it's fall of uh, 2020, so we've got that coming up Um was there anything else you wanted to get to on the Mandalorian?
1: Um, you know, yeah. One thing that I uh, we didn't mention yet was just how many amazing guest stars there are on this show, uh, which is something you know I, we know a lot about. I think even the princes of England and those guys, um, you know, were were some of the stormtroopers in the background. I know uh, what's his name, James Bond. Uh, Oh, Daniel Craig? And Daniel Craig was, was one of the stormtroopers as well. and
0: Wasn't he in, like, Force Awakens, too?
1: Yeah, he, yeah, he was one of the stormtroopers in Force Awakens.
0: Oh, I thought you were talking about in Mandalorian. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, so saying
1: that We know that in the movies they've had yes. lots of these, yeah. but, um, you know, like, Horatio Sands was in the first episode. Uh, he was, yeah, the, he was the, the blue guy. Yeah, And uh, Brian Posen was the speeder pilot who gets eaten by the Kraken thing. Um, and then, you know, we mentioned Jason Sudeikis and, um, and, and, and you know, those, just those things just are, add a lot of fun to,
0: I mean, you mentioned Bill Burr in an episode. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who I have, I don't think I've ever seen act before and he's in breaking bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the, uh, which also reminds me, I want to give a quick shout out to our guy, John Beasley, who's from Omaha and was the bartender in the first episode. Yeah. In episode one. Yeah. So. We, get, we got we gotta own what we
0: can own here. So. Sure. Uh,
1: um, Nick Nolte, who I've never seen in anything for a long time, uh was cool. Queel and he
0: did he killed it. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I thought he was great as Queel. Werner
1: Herzog, I mentioned is much more of a documentary director than anything, uh, you know, showing up and doing a great job. So yeah, it's just fun to like see a lot of, of new faces who also fit fairly seamlessly into the into the world. Uh, Carl Weathers is probably the one who maybe stands out just a little bit, but
0: he's hilarious, so... He's hilarious. There's obviously sirens going by outside the, uh... Taking their dear sweet time. Yeah, they're just... I think they may have stopped outside the... uh,
1: Ming-Na Wen that you mentioned with Fennec Shand. Um, I didn't feel like Amy Sedaris' character was was terribly great, but...
0: See, I liked liked her character. She was okay.
1: It was kind of funny to see her in that role. Yeah, I thought so, too. Yeah. Um...
0: Yeah, there were a ton of of just kind of guest stars and cameos and and that type of thing.
1: Oh, did I mention, I don't think I did, Taika Waititi is the voice of the IG. IG IG-11, yeah. And uh, that one is super fun too because seeing him involved in in all this is is really great.
0: For sure. Um, Any other notes or anything that you had?
1: Um, No, I just, uh, it's interesting that some of the episodes weren't great. Uh, that were kind of just okay, uh, as we mentioned. And, but the overall tone and, and quality of the series really hit a level that, that is unimpeachable. And, and I love that they were able to do that. I, I did watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I stopped watching. Um, and, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, is um, you know attached to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In fact, there was quite a bit of stuff... That if you didn't watch like the first I can't remember the first or second season of Agents of Shield, there was stuff in I think it was was it Winter Soldier um, that Oh maybe yeah. it didn't make quite as much sense with shield going down um, and uh, you know figuring out that Shield had uh, was completely infiltrated by um, oh my gosh, I completely liked uh, the uh, not the, the bad the, guys yeah not the Illuminati, but that's what's coming to my mind. Uh. <laughs> um you know the uh, gosh what was that <laughs> help me i'm trying to google <laughs> i don't even know i would google yeah yeah um but uh oh my gosh i'm just completely dry on this um we'll anyway, get there but but you know agents of shield really tied into it but but you know the effects just weren't as high budget and the, it was just, Hydra, Hydra. There, we, there go. we go. Oh my gosh! Thank you. <laughs> uh, I was stalling, uh, but but uh, yeah, the effects weren't quite as good, and um, you know the acting was was okay. I actually really like Coulson. I, I like the gal from uh, uh, from who used to be from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and uh, what's her name? Uh, but uh, I'm not going to play this game again. But um, you know, so there were some some really good good parts of of that show but just not and Ming-Na Wen from you know who was in the show also she she was really good but just the whole thing overall um, Chloe Bennett I never would have come up with that I was thinking a different name entirely um, yeah you know so just not yeah uh, it wasn't as good and, and, whereas this show really really held up and, and I'm really thankful for that I think it again goes to to speak to disney's investment in this property i was gonna say
0: part of it is you're talking about like a network show in agents of shield versus a subscription show yeah also you're looking at i mean how many episodes per season was agent it was like full seasons right like 20 episodes or whatever right and so when you're doing these limited run things they typically have a little higher budget they've got um, they've got better production, better acting, um, better effects, that type of thing. Whereas these, you know, twenty episodes a season, yeah. five season things, you kind of you're you're getting a cheaper product there. Yeah,
1: and I would rather have uh, I'd rather have eight of those episodes than uh, than than twenty two. Uh, and by the way, I totally screwed up. Chloe Bennett's not from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I got her. She looks a lot like. Eliza Dushka who is
0: from the Vampire Slayer and I'm just just, You're struggling Yeah, yeah, got that mid-afternoon brain (laughs) All right, was there anything else with The Mandalorian that you wanted to touch on? Anything about the larger Star Wars universe or anything like that you wanted to touch on before we uh, before we wrap up here?
1: I'm just excited to see what they do next I I think that this is a really good entry into this type of storytelling and I hope that they keep the level of quality this high uh, or else it's gonna I I think my one fear is that expanding the universe this much uh, kind of like they did with the Clone Wars it it makes it hard to keep up and and it makes it especially hard to keep up if you know when the Clone Wars came out it was like I was I was in college or after college and, you know, my wife didn't want to sit around and watch Star Wars c- cartoons with me, which makes sense. She, in fairness, she didn't want to watch this show with me either, but I made time because it mattered. Um, and you didn't make time. You went out of town. Well, <laughs> I, made, <laughs> I made time out of town. And the other ones I watched. I only got through five when I was out of oh, town. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, I did, all, I did figure out a beautiful thing. This is very bougie, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that... I can listen to my AirPods through my Apple TV, yeah, and and so I can watch a loud Star Wars type show after my wife goes to bed without yeah. it being super loud uh, for the rest of the house. So that was nice.
0: For sure. Thanks, Apple. Um, you can do that on Roku too. So don't. Uh, that's true. Don't get too. That's true. All up in your feelings about that. Yeah. Um. All right. I think that's all I have on the Mandalorian. Um, I'm excited about the expansion of the universe. I think what's nice about so again going back to the, the way this is structured with like the eight episodes versus the way the Clone Wars is structured, where you've got the big 20 episode seasons, you can get a lot in in terms of you can still get most of the storyline in that you want in in this format, and it feels like a lot less of a time commitment than the you know the seventh season of the Clone Wars is coming out on Disney Plus. And I think that's probably going to touch on The Great Purge. So, like, I probably need to catch up. Mm -hmm. But it's a big commitment to catch up on 120 episodes or whatever of The Clone Wars. And so, or maybe it's Rebels. I don't remember which one's which. I confuse the two. That's kind of the point. But that being said, even though it's a lot to keep up on, I really like the stories that have come out of there. Yeah. Right? Like, it's really compelling stuff. Everything that they've brought from there into the um, live action part of Star Wars has been awesome. Yeah. And so it's hard to say, oh, I don't want more of this because everything that's come out of this has been really cool. Um, And it's more just like me being whiny and not having enough time to watch the cartoons. Um, That's what Wikipedia is for. Yeah. So (laughs) uh, I do want to catch up and watch all the cartoons at some point and maybe with the maybe with the little break here between season one and season two of the Mandalorian and a break in the uh, in the movies as well I might have time to knock those out but that's all I have Rod you have anything else?
1: Just to say that uh, I, I looked it up Kevin Feige is or Feige however you it. I think say it's Feige it. uh, sure Faye, like Feige Feige maybe uh, anyway Sorry, Kevin um, is is uh, seemingly well confirmed to be part of the Star Wars universe. Although it says he's developing a Star Wars movie, so not necessarily architecting the whole universe. I think he's in
0: charge of everything. I mean, th- that's the, all that's the actually confirmed. Stir- the story I read was that I-, I get that there's not like a direct, more than one direct project that he's working on. But the story I read is that he's kind of like the overarching guy now.
1: Let's hope. I mean, he did great with with the MCU.
0: Yes, for sure. Um, So, a little housekeeping on the podcast here. Uh, uh, We're not going to be back until Monday. We just took a little break. I've been doing... um, Had holidays, obviously, and then I moved. So, uh, we got these Star Wars Wednesdays out to you. We'll start back up in full force on the 13th with your... Uh, with your back-to-normal Meathead Monday that will come out on the 13th of January. So we'll be back to our normal schedule of just twice a week, Monday and Friday, and uh, at least for the near future, no more Star Wars Wednesday. So no episode this Friday. We'll be back at it on our regular schedule on Monday, and uh, you'll be getting your two episodes a week again from that point on. Maybe if I start watching The Clone Wars and get really into it, I'll, uh, I'll bring back the Star Wars Wednesdays, um, but we'll see how that goes.
1: Am I being fired? Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, get your things and go home. Um, no, Raj. Thank you so much for doing all these with me and uh, doing all the the movies and the except for Solo, which you skipped out on, and I'll never forgive you for. Apparently. Um, <laughs> as well, and uh, and obviously Mandalorian as well. Uh, if we if I don't decide to do the Clone Wars. Uh, in terms of podcasts on them we'll be back next year for Star Wars Wednesdays with uh, when the new uh, mandalorian season comes out we'll maybe we'll do a weekly at that point to kind of keep up with it but we'll figure that out we got a lot of time um,
1: I'll be back for other things like bad boys 2 yeah thing we got and bad
0: boys 2 coming out in a couple weeks which I'm really excited about um, we got a lot of stuff that's um, coming out here But those will ba- those will all be on the normal podcast Meathead Monday and your regular Friday episode um, For now This has been The last um, The last Star Wars Wednesday for the near future I have spoken um, This Raj, is the way <laughs> Raj, thank you so much for joining me May the force be with you May the force be with you And this is the way This is the way